coming at you all the way from Arbitrum. It's the Magic Hour Podcast. This is Alan. Dionysus. And Breaker. Produced by Digital Strategies Guild. Magic Hour listeners, we have a wonderful guest for you this evening. We have Papa Venos or Venos from Small Kongs Reborn, which spawned off of Small Kongs. And we'll get into that a little later in the pod. But Venos, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I, I'm very excited to be here. I'm happy to be able to share um, kind of what the project's about with you guys and then just talk about the Arbitrum Layer 2 blockchain in general. Love it. Love it. So be- before we get into those topics, first, we want we always uh, like to warm up with a couple of uh, softball questions, if you will. Um, but the first one is, how did you discover Web3 and what drew you into it? So I had actually been investing in crypto for quite a while uh, since roughly 2017 and just kind of exploring altcoins and the, the general idea of the blockchain and kind of what made cryptocurrency kind of continuously become a independent ecosystem from what you see governments providing to their, I guess you could say, their people. Uh-huh. And so kind of as I started exploring the blockchain and uh, jumping into Bitcoin and Ethereum and exploring different altcoins and what, they're, uh, what they were going to be utilized for, I kind of started to realize that NFTs, when they came out, that they were really going to be the best part of what the blockchain was going to be utilized for. Um, as far as smart contracts being written and being able to tie uh, tie into NFTs and the artwork being um, something that allowed for artists to be able to market themselves in a sense um, and for allowing for a different kind of network to be provided as NFTs became more public and people started to kind of buy into that idea of this community that's been created around Web3. Uh, that's really what kind of inspired me and kind of drew me into it and made me become more curious because me as a person personally, I really do enjoy kind of finding out the way that things work. I don't really just under like, I don't really like to just understand that something happens because it happens. I like to know why it happens. Um, And so really breaking down what happens in the blockchain and how smart contracts interact and their permanence and the decentralized uh, aspect behind the blockchain. I really enjoyed that. And so that kind of drew me into more of the total idea of what the blockchain potential was um, in Web3 in general. That's cool. The potential. And awesome. And I, I agree with that. And I'm very early uh, adopter of the blockchain as well. But I have to say that your answer to that question is very similar to a lot of answers that we get from other project leaders, you know, who like to really kind of dive in and tinker. Uh, what's your background? Are you a software engineer or a developer or just, you know, someone who has a passion for the blockchain? So honestly, it's more, I would guess you, I guess you could say passion-based. My education is actually in uh, computer programming, website design, but career-wise uh, for my day job, prior to me jumping kind of full-time into Web3. Um, I was a project manager for construction, uh, specializing in plumbing specifically. So I kind of overall knew how to kind of run a team, see see how things were moving and uh, oversee a lot of different aspects. 
And so as far as that tying into where my education came to play in, that's where my my love for Web3 kind of tied together for me, because uh, website design, computer programming in general, when I started to go more project management with construction, I faded kind of out of the field of technology in a sense of uh, web like programming. So I stopped coding in Python. I stopped kind of participating in those things. And it just kind of provided for me, a, kind of provided me a way to um, re-engage with the, with technology in a sense and be able to start coding again and working with Solidity and reworking with Python, which is my favorite language to code on. That's kind of where I really got inspired. And so I kind of took a little bit of like a, a self-inspiration behind the fact of uh, like white hat hacking in a sense where um especially that's where i fell in love with the blockchain is everything's present on the blockchain and a lot of it is a very shady space because it can be anonymous and it is decentralized i really kind of found it interesting that it seemed that it was a very it was kind of like the wild west as a lot of people seem to kind of kind of credit it i guess you could say is the wild west of the internet you never really know where your funds are going unless you understand what smart contracts or how smart contracts are written and what they're actually stating in the code. It's kind of hard for you to understand where you're sending your money or how, what you're receiving at the end of the day. And so I found it really inspiring to be able to help people that were kind of introducing themselves to the space and trying to find a way to invest their money and try and retrieve a little bit of, I guess you could say, financial compensation for that and kind of helping them in times that they were taken advantage of. So that's where my background kind of allowed me to kind of more dive into the space and spread my spread my network a little bit. That's super interesting. So so I'm understanding you have like personal experience doing white hat activities. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's awesome, dude. Uh, like, like, really, that's I, I think that's incredible and a testament to the community of people that you can find anonymously online. Like one of the very first things that you choose to do with this technology is not necessarily exploit it, but it's figure out the exploits and then do good with them. Right. Well, because you, you always have to find a niche in a market to be able to find your way to, I guess you could say, revolutionize or change the market. You know what I mean? And so many people were going the the bad route, or I guess you could say the dark route, because it was so easy with the blockchain being decentralized. It was really interesting for me to be able to be like, well, why don't we just do it the opposite way and find those people that are being able to do it and exposing them and being able to retrieve those items that were taken from people that really, quite honestly, respectively made mistakes. Yeah. No, that, that that's, makes that's extremely noble. So. Uh, we're getting a little bit off topic, uh, but the marketplace hack that happened back in February, were you, were you around for that? Um, did you witness it? Did you try to participate or did you participate? So I didn't actually participate because quite honestly, we were really busy with getting small Kongs kind of finalized our smart contract, uh, done and audited, um, yeah. kind of making sure our work was taken care of. And because I am operating as community manager and project lead. It, I, I kind of oversee everything. And so it was kind of hard for me to become engaged in it in the sense that I wanted to. But I, I did kind of take a look at it afterwards. And in a, in a sense, it, it was really a shame as to what happened. But at the end of the day, it, it, it comes down to 
further auto auditing in a sense of like just more people uh, more too many people in a sense they 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 believe few for few sources in um just saying oh yeah this like whatever we're whatever we're investing in is is valid it's true and it's good yeah. to go and so so many people dove in and they were like yeah you know so and so says it's okay and at the end of the day it caused a lot of people to kind of have their eyes opened you know what i mean no i i absolutely do that, that, no that makes a lot of sense i, I mean i'm gonna be honest i was one of those people that had blind trust while also being slightly aware of the risk factors, but I'm not, I guess, as well-versed in blockchain uh, language as as you might be. But I, I digress. I did not mean to take us off course. You didn't. You didn't. I think this was a really good topic to discuss. And I think, you know, it's certainly more important to have these types of discussions and, and raise awareness of this type of stuff to the community at large. You know, I, I think, Dion, I'm just like you. You know, I put my blind trust in the blockchain and the projects that we mint. You know, 90% of the time you're minting, not really looking at the smart contract, but they could be kind of nefarious if you're not careful, right? Yeah, that is 100%. And I, and I, I think that that's also kind of like touching on that. I don't think you were necessarily going off subject because I think that that's very relative in this space. I, and I don't think that like by no means do I shame anybody for doing that. You know, I'm not trying to like say that anybody is not as smart or not as good of an investor by uh, by any means because they don't look at smart contracts or because they don't understand what the coding says. It's a, it's complex. And at the end of the day, it's tricky unless you fully understand it. And not many people do with uh, the way that technology is developing and at the rate that it's developing. I think that bringing people kind of an education where we are able to break that down into a language that people understand rather than talking as though, um, well, this is what the smart contract initializes this and then it break, it calls to this file. And then it, from that file, it's going to go ahead and write this metadata. And people don't understand that. They don't care what that means at the end of the day. I think that it's really big to bring a light to that and under like to allow people to understand that we like at the end of the day, a lot of people don't expect you to understand what that means. And it's not a a crippling aspect to not understand coding, to be in the Web3 space. And that's what a lot of people are scared about to uh, to kind of dive in and join the space is the fact that they're like, well, I don't understand it um, is kind of the most common thing that I hear as a as a project lead. And I think that it's kind of, it's very, very much something that the more that we can bring attention to it and make it something regular, the more that we can educate people and the less that less common these things will be. Because you don't see, I mean, the more that people know that crime is a, is happening or know how crime happens, the less likely crime is to happen because it's harder to make it occur. But you have to break that down for the general public to be able to understand. That's an interesting analogy. But it makes sense. Yeah, I like that. And so kind of touching on this, on, on knowledge and understanding, like you, you, you created a project and you chose Arbitrum, right? Um, Arbitrum is, I would say, not the easiest, a layer two is not the easiest thing for a crypto noob to understand. So why did you choose Arbitrum as opposed, maybe, as opposed to maybe Ethereum, some other optimistic rollup or a zero knowledge rollup? So I, I really appreciate that question because I, I really do like that aspect of uh, why we decided to join Arbitrum. 
there's kind of two reasons why the first one is kind of that part that you touched on as far as like it's not easy for say a web3 noob or somebody who's very new into coding to be able to understand layer twos and how to bring from layer one to layer two and how it actually works to bring it onto the blockchain and the execution of it and and i think that part of that was more of a challenge for us as a team to kind of to challenge ourselves to be able to make sure that it was executable and and allow for us to stay inspired to make it happen because um at the end of the day and when you when you're going through like college courses you're less likely to do homework if you understand what the homework is what if you understand how to do the homework easily because it's just a it's a minute task at that point if you are actually doing it because you're trying to further understand what the homework is trying to teach you then you're more likely to do it and you're more likely to retain the information from it um and that's as a team go ahead you're, you're saying it was just challenging enough exactly huh um, okay. to where we were we were able to jump into the community and that's part of what the arbitrum like what brought us to arbitrum in general rather than other roll-ups yeah was the community's very welcoming they they were very willing to teach us Arb- the arbitrum team hunter over there the community one of the community managers um, was very willing to send us links on how to actually come over to layer two um, and make sure that our, co- our our smart contract was coded properly to execute as optimally as possible in in different in different things in that sense i guess you could say that's kind of what brought us over to arbitrum the other part two of that was the great rug when we were on layer one and we were Ethereum and um, the, the founder had withdrawn funds completely from the smart contract and there was absolutely nothing left and we hadn't heard an update for over a week from him. At that point, that's kind of when we decided as a team, we aren't going to expect ourselves to come from just kind of randomly deciding to found this project into then moving forward to fund it from our own pockets in a sense that Ethereum would require to pay that the gas fees to uh, put the contract or to initialize the contract onto the blockchain um, to get everything kind of in order. So we saw that layer two was our opportunity to allow that to happen with minimal out of pocket investment, I guess you could say in a sense, so that we as a team were allowed to invest in, say, alpha bots or sweeping bots for the community prior to us minting and then we could then pay more funds towards uh, uh, just different avenues like premium bots in our discord so that we weren't having to deal with free bots or finding the best free bots possible yeah and just being able to say do those kinds of things and provide giveaways that were paid for by the team out of pocket to the community because we weren't having to pay for those ethereum fees so we felt that in a sense we were able to give back to the community um in that sense yeah so you made a cost benefit analysis and decided to instead reinvest that into the community with the efficiencies from Arbitrum. Exactly. That makes total sense. And with how fast it is and how, how quickly the Arbitrum uh, network is growing on layer two um, and how, how, how much gamification is being utilized and kind of developed here on Arbitrum is really what kind of inspired us because at the end of the day, as a project, that's what we're moving towards. But Absolutely. yeah. So, I, I mean, you obviously touched on it a little bit, but uh, tell us a little bit more about Small Kongs, how you ended up involved in that project to it being rugged, because I, I didn't hear about this particular project and the associated rug and, and 
creation of small Kongs reborn, like, I guess, bringing the community together and making the decision to start anew, so to speak. Yeah, so it's it's funny because we we really started the project by kicking off and very much touching on and explaining what the rug was in the great rug. Um, and then as we developed, we kind of moved away from that because of the negative, I guess you could say, connotation that it generally holds with uh, newcomers to the community. So early kind of or late January, very early February ish, a project kind of popped up on Ethereum layer one in it, it didn't have a disc or it had a discord and it had a smart contract, but it, and it had a website, but it had no Twitter. It had no Instagram, nothing else that you could really come to to look for for information. And it was 0.01 Ethereum to mint. And, and these, the founder had initially minted out 5000 of the first supply of 10,000 to random wallets, but not all of them were random because one of them was the burner wallet for Gary V. There was a couple other influence influencers that I don't quite remember directly by name that were also uh, had their wallets minted into. And so as soon as people saw that and the bots on Twitter were activated, or I guess you could say that AI was initialized to then post that this project was minting at an extremely fast rate within by I mean, it posted 5000 within the last hour, a lot of people that were kind of really into getting in early on projects and following those bots kind of clicked on the link, saw the website and saw that it was only 0.01 to mint and bought a couple. When it started to slow down a little bit, instead of creating a Twitter, because there was absolutely no presence, the founder then would mint, would say post in discord that the next 50 are free on, on the website. And so people would mint out those 50 really quickly and then it'd be 0.01. But because people were minting the free one so quickly and that free meta, free to mint meta wasn't so popular quite yet. They um, we, we sold out within about an hour and a week went by and the founders started promoting random people that were active in the discord to moderators, but never provided any information to anybody, but then launched a second project called Treasures. And it was kind of mimicking uh, what the treasure DAO was doing over there on the ma with magic and small brains with small Kongs and then treasures with the different items that you could go ahead and receive within the treasure ecosystem, um, but on Ethereum. And after about a week, the founder said nothing in Discord, only gave information to one person that was the quote unquote head moderator. And that person eventually came out to everyone and said, look, I have no information besides what I've told to you guys. I don't know what's going on. I don't know the future steps with the project. Three days later, the founder withdrew all funds and left. And so that's where as as kind of a community, I had actually been given role in that original discord as the smallest Kong because I was kind of at a time in my life where I didn't really have a lot that I was doing in. Um, I didn't have a lot of people that I was engaging with outside of Web3. And so I kind of just really dove into this project and was like, yeah, like, I really think that it's awesome. I think the artwork's cool. I think that um, the idea of what they're doing as a derivative project is really awesome. Um, and the community was what really inspired me. But then he, the founder left with the funds and I was like, well, derugging a project and saving the community has been done before. Why, why is this something that we can't do here? Because of the network that I had built within Web3 uh, amongst different projects and um, meeting different team members. So what happened was we kind of came together and 
one person had come up and was like, hey, you know, like I really know discords. If if you need any help, like go ahead and let me know. So I went ahead and reached out to them. I was like, hey, if we want to create a new discord, could you go ahead and help us set it up? And him and his friend Pedro both came to me and they were like, hey, you know, let's go ahead and make this happen. Let's create a new discord. So we created a new discord. A lot of the community moved over to the new discord and another guy had reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I'm an artist, but I do mostly photography. Do you think there's something that I could go ahead and do to help? Like, I really am inspired by this project as well. I don't want to see the community go to waste. Is there something we can do? And I said, hey, man, come on, come on. Let's go ahead and like, have you ever done pixel art? And he kind of had created a music video because that's amongst his kind of avenues of his his artwork. So he had created a music video scene based on pixel art and animation. And he showed me that and I was like, hey, man, let's go ahead and let's take the inspiration of the base model of the original Small Kong and let's create brand new. Let's create brand new artwork and you're going to be our artist. And that's kind of how we created that original founding team is um, the overall idea that everyone had a background and knew what they were doing in the sense of the jobs they were given. But at the end of the day, everyone was inspired by the community and everyone was inspired by the idea of what uh, what was there at the beginning. So that's kind of where we came from in moving over towards Arbitrum. What a great origin story. <laughs> For real, that that's awesome. Um, at any point during the seemingly slow rug, did you did any red flags go up? Were you like, oh, this guy, like he's he's a little bit uncommunicative or he seems a little bit shady or anything along those lines? So that was the thing is part of me becoming the smallest Kong, quote unquote, in the original Discord um, was the fact that there was a lot of (laughs) thank you very much. There was a lot of um, there was a lot of fear, I guess you could say. And what I thought at the time was just FOMO, because I really thought that I really believed in that founder staying because I really was like, hey, the website looks really good. The smart contract executed properly. Everyone got their their NFTs. You know, it's really like it seems really clean. He's minting out a second smart contract. The smart contract wasn't meant to manipulate anybody's wallets maliciously, if that makes sense. So to me, yep. it all it all very much ironed out. And I thought that the head moderator at the time was getting information from the GM. I just thought that they were trying to build hype because of how much hype was already driven by having no Twitter um, and it just kind of popping up overnight. And so I kind of at the time was like, oh, you know, it's there's no problem. There's really no big deal. Let's continue to trust. Let's trust. Let's trust. And so I guess I felt a little bit attributed to the fact that so many people had stayed for so long, believing that the founder was going to give information because I was like, hey, I'm trying to reach out to him. I'm trying to receive information. I promise you guys, like, come on, just stick with it. You know, we're all here for a reason. And I kind of hyped up the community to stick around. And then all of a sudden he left. And I felt that everyone had kind of reached out to me for for answers. And I didn't have any answers, but I had been trying to seek them. And so at that point, I was like, well, if I can't find the answers, why don't I just become the answers? You know what I mean? Yes, I know exactly (laughs) what you mean. So amazing. Like Dion said, an origin story. Exactly. And that's kind of the thing is our team didn't really agree in starting our Twitter at first. And I was like, you guys, we really need to like the the community's here. And if they don't have a Twitter to follow, then they're going to just continue to dissipate and move on to the next project. That's how the space goes. And we started our Twitter and within we had a discord of twelve hundred. Our community and discord was twelve hundred. 
within the first 24 hours, we had, I believe, 3000 followers on Twitter. And so that kind of spoke for itself. And we just knew that what the the move that we were making and the movement that we were going to start creating was really the right move. Nice. Yeah. So. So, you know, we, we did a little research on the website and yeah. I also want to mention that um, your your discord link on the website, ironically enough, does not work. I've received two other reports about that in the last probably 72 hours. And so that's something we're going to be fixing today. Perfectly fine. Um, but uh, you talk about Genesis and Founders. Uh, what is the difference between the two, I guess, collections, if you will? And what was the uh, idea behind that? So um, we have our Genesis collection and our Factions collection. Oh, Factions. Um, yeah, <laughs> no worries at all. Um, it, it typically, because a lot of projects do Founders collections right around the time that they're launching their Genesis collection. But we did it kind of differently. We kind of wanted to, our Genesis collection, it kind of pays a tribute. So the base model of our small Kong um, is kind of a derivative in a sense, you could say, and I'll just be transparent about that, transparent about that. The base model of our small Kong in our Genesis collection is a derivative of the original small Kong on the rugged Ethereum project. Uh, we don't necessarily try to affiliate with that project, um, but we do at the end of the day at, as one of our, as one of our core values as a, as a team, we, we value transparency and honesty. And so we're not going to by any means try and hide from the fact to the newcomers to the community that we are from a drug project. So we very much are forthcoming about that. But so essentially those, the two, the Genesis is, is to pay a tribute to where we came from as a team and where the project was founded at. That's why we, we kind of wanted to give that to the community and say, Hey, we're not going to give you guys the full 10,000. We're recreating the artwork. We're going to give them to you guys for free. That's kind of a, a proof in a sense that we as a team are able to execute a smart contract properly, provide you guys with efficient gas fees, because even though we are on Arbitrum and Arbitrum as a layer two has extremely uh, efficient gas fees in general, we have had reported to us in the community that a lot of the people that did mint minted for the cheapest gas fees that they had on any Arbitrum project yet. So and that that's kind of something that we wanted to show to the community in a sense that we didn't want to with the idea of free mint projects, we didn't want to ask for money from uh, the community before we were able to show a little bit of a proof to the community that we were able to execute because we were coming from that that rug that it would be hard to tell people, hey, you know, we we know what we're doing, but we weren't necessarily starting this project because we all knew each other prior and just wanted to start a project. It was more because of the inspiration of the community that brought us together. And, and so that's kind of what the Genesis collection is. Our factions collection is what the team has brought up and kind of brought together after the Genesis and kind of that idea of like, OK, we need this. We need to keep this community alive and keep them together. So let's provide them something that's living. And that's our Genesis collection. It's a tribute. Our factions collection is what you see is like my profile picture. Now you'll see is um, our Twitter profile picture um, and as our banner as well. That's four different factions that we're going to be using to gamify and kind of create a, a lore and a story behind Kongonia, which is where the small Kongs uh, originally resided as a as a community and as a as a nation and as people. And so the what we're going to be doing with factions is creating a story, gamifying those NFTs, 
uh, to create a play to earn aspect with a uh, with an actual token, which is Zing token. Um, Zing token was something that was founded within the original Discord, the original Discord uh, or original community that was rugged. That was something that was founded before our secondary Discord even started to become public or populated. So that's a that's a token that we're going to be bringing to the community to uh, allow for factions to be play to earn. And um, that's kind of where a lot of our our story is going to be told is within factions. So it, with Genesis being a, a tribute to where we came from, factions is going to be the core project of what we're going to be delivering to the community. Do you find that there's a stigma associated with newcomers and the fact that you spawned from a rug? Typically, and that's the funny thing is typically newcomers don't realize that we did come from a rug. And I think that at first that was one of the things that we wanted to pay an attribute like an or a tribute to. But at the same time, we didn't we kind of wanted to hide because we didn't want newcomers to be like, oh, it's a derugged project. Like, don't worry about it. Derugged projects never succeed, blah, blah, blah. The team's not going to do anything. There's no way it's going to succeed. As a team, we were inspired by the fact that there was projects that were able to derug communities and bring back to a high floor price and not even necessarily a high floor price, but a very successful community of very active members that were uh, naturally, I guess you could say, or organically grown that wanted to be there for a reason, not because they had bought into a project and it got rugged and they were just kind of there to be there because they hadn't left yet. Um, and, And so at this point in our in our growth as a project, we kind of want to just bring more light to that and just kind of remind people like, hey, the success we have is because as a team, we're doing what we were able to do, even though we came from a rugged project that it, it, you don't have to be some major software developer or work for some major software developer to be able to separate yourself from that that company to create your own project to be successful it's more about your views as a team and uh kind of where you want to take it and what you want to do with it that's going to drive your success in a sense if that makes sense oh it does it it definitely makes sense just to follow up on the faction what when is the mint date or where was the mint date recently because i know that on your website it said the genesis collection i believe was minting on june 17th did that occur? And on your Twitter, there was something about July 5th. I just wanted to know if if everything's been minted already or if, if things are upcoming. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so what happened was we minted our Genesis collection on June 17th. And then after that, we sold out in a minute and 39 seconds for our public sale. Even though it was a free to mint project, we were very proud of the fact of how quickly we were we were able to sell out, but then we listed on Trove officially on July 5th. So factions oh. currently were finishing two or three one of ones and making sure the details are all finalized. And then we're going to be announcing the mint date for factions, but we haven't actually announced the mint date. We just started kind of sneak peeking uh, what factions is going to look like to the community. So currently we have our Genesis released. We are providing a soft staking mechanic to those who are holding Genesis currently. Uh, they're receiving 10 Zing token per day. Zing is currently on the test net, so we're kind of working on that um, as a team to bring that to the actual main net and allow for us to then airdrop the initial amount of Zing token that has been currently passive staked by each holder 
and then move forward with that continuance of passive staking after the airdrop to where our holders will be able to claim their Zing token off of our website. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for explaining all that. I was just a little confused by all the dates. Now it makes sense. Uh, no so worries. probably like we can expect maybe August or something like that. Sounds like. Exactly. So we're looking early August, kind of middle of August is going to be the factions mint date. Cool. Why? It's called Zing token, Z-I-N-G. Yes. And so in the original Discord, um, as the as the community was kind of coming together and um, kind of founding themselves, uh, one member had joined and they named themselves Zing. That's okay. what they nicknamed themselves to. And what what kind of started happening for almost four days straight was just a constant general chat wall of zing, 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 people just typing zing um, for absolutely no reason. And so when people kind of started asking me for answers because I was promoted to a moderator for no reason, I kind of asked people like, hey, on the website, in the terms, like in the terms and services, you know, like it says like the what's going to happen with the project after mint is going to be determined by the community. Like, how would you guys kind of see Zing token becoming a thing? And everybody in the discord voted like voted. Yes, it was absolutely unanimously like, yes, Zing token has to be a thing. If we're going to have a token, let's name it Zing. Like bananas already been taken. We don't want to take Kongs, you know, like let's, yeah. let's just do Zing. And um, so that's kind of where as a team, we kind of, we found that as an inspiration to kind of like, why not keep that? That's it works. It's it fits. It's perfect. It, even though it doesn't make sense to a lot of people, it sure. doesn't have to because to the original community, it does. And that's what's going to continue to inspire others to kind of kind of dive into it in a sense. Yeah, I, I got to say, it really feels like this rug was almost a blessing in disguise. And, and I don't want to ruffle any feathers when I say that. But it really seems like it made the community like a lot stronger and, and more cohesive. And I don't know. I think that's 100 percent. Yeah. And that's what that's what inspired me personally to continue, no matter how many people were like, oh, it's never going to happen. Like a lot of people started DMing me like, oh, you're not going to make the project work. It's not going to happen unless you give me an NFT for free from the for being an original holder. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, a lot of that, like. Because every time I got a DM that said that it wasn't going to work, I also got 50 messages in general chat that said, when can we get some information? When's the new Discord link? Like, when's the new mint date? Where are we going? Like, are we going over to Solana? Are we going to go over to Polygon? <laughs> you know, like, what, what's going to happen? And yeah. that to me was just really, I 100% attribute to the community for us being here the fact that the team stayed inspired because of that solely, you know? It's really interesting how people attach themselves to communities in Web3 very passionately. It's something that I've noticed a lot in a lot of the projects that I've spoken to or I've met at, I, I was just recently at NFT NYC and, and the Cuteverse projects, which consisted of like Axolittles and Chubbyverse and Froyoverse. They were all so like into all their projects and so many people were just like happy to be a part of it and you know it's and i guess this is more just commentary but it, it just it's very very interesting to see how people kind of like find one or two communities that they really like vibe with if you will and just go all in on that 
and and Dion, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like for us, as much as it's treasure, it's also the one, you know, like, I feel yeah. like we've kind of just, we, we found our community, that one kind of thing, you know, and just Vanos hearing you talk about what's going on with Small Kongs Reborn, it, it seems like it's just the right place, right time for some people. And, and maybe they need that in their lives, you know, and, and that's why they're, you know, kind of flocking there. Does that make sense? I, I might be just rambling. No, 100%. And that's, uh, I guess, kind of like taking that and running with it. I'm going to run for a second. Uh, I, I think that that really kind of shows in it part of what one as a team we've kind of used as one of our pillars is creating a space where it's really an organically non-paid promotion community that we want everyone to feel that they have a voice as far as as a team we don't we have views as where we're taking the project but at the end of the day community ideas are always what we're looking for and what we want to listen to and and not only that but creating a space of education to where we can teach people how to understand smart contracts um, and kind of allowing for tutorials to um, to allow people to educate themselves um, and I guess kind of a touching to something that less goes into that is a little bit more of like the mental health aspect of the space and understanding that those few communities that people really do connect to, they might connect to for a very specific reason that they that they don't find within their web two lives. And so they might really find that for that fulfillment within that Web3 community. And that's why they engage so, so heavily. Um, and they're so willing to invest in that because they find so much uh, fulfillment in themselves through that community. And I think that that's really, really big and very underlooked at for a lot of projects. I think it's, I think it's uh, super important to have a community and be active and have people want to be a part of it. You know, if it, it's one thing to just have a free mint and, and mint out, but if you don't have any community behind it, you know, you're going to kind of die on the vine, so to speak. Whereas if there's the community there before the mint even happens, then I think you're, you're going to tell a different story. So I think it's extremely important that that is a feature of this. And I, and I think it's actually like a characteristic of Web3, right? We Web3, the way the blockchain works, feels almost natural to community building, right? Because we're all equals on the blockchain, so to speak. 100%. And I think that that's really what's really cool about it and allows for like a lot of networking potential is at the end of the day, we all are a blank face. You are whatever your profile states you are. And at the end of the day, it doesn't people look at how many followers you may have on Twitter, this, that, or there, what your wallet holds as far as NFTs go. But it really allows for a complete reset as a person to allow yourself to uh, kind of share your ideas and not only that, but share your knowledge to people that you never really thought you would. And I think that that's something that I kind of I spoke about really early in the project that really inspired me in the space of Web3 was the fact that if you go to a seminar to hear kind of an inspirational speaker or um, to hear information about uh, a, a new technology, you're only ever really going to hear or meet and network with the people within a greater general area of your physical land say 200 miles, 300 miles, besides those who fly in from 600, 700, 800 miles away that are very invested, those are very few and far between. 
Um, in Web3, in Twitter spaces and Discord channels, that is completely eliminated. And you find people where I've met people from Fiji, I've met people from the UK, I've met people from Asia, I've met people from up in Russia, people on our team are down in Brazil, in the Philippines, people that I never would have thought that I would have spoken to and met on a very personal level. I'm now working with in what is a successful and developing brand in the space and very real that people don't understand never would have been doable if you would have ever had only those contacts within that direct 300 to 600 mile radius of your that direct location that you guys went to that seminar to network for those those networking potentials expand exponentially in the amount of knowledge that you're able to absorb for free because people are willing to share it in the space because the community is so engaged and so so open with kind of sharing that information it it's really inspiring you know what i mean um i i, I could talk for hours about it about that alone but like to me that's what's really what's really been kind of awesome is that that base ground of people like it doesn't matter where you live if you if your information makes sense and you're willing to share it, then people are willing to listen. For sure. Uh, I mean, I guess the only challenge is the time zone thing, especially in in what we do uh, with this podcast. You know, sometimes we have to do like an early morning recording for people who are in Asia, or uh, maybe an afternoon recording for people who are in Europe. So I, I understand what you're talking about. You know, I've I've networked with so many different people all across the world. Dion, I'm sure you have as well. Yeah. But, you know, it, you're absolutely right. I think it's totally awesome. You know, when I tell people that I, I'm talking with people in Singapore and Europe and just that the, all these different places, they're like, wow, you know, but again, it's the, it's just a little challenging with the time zones. You know, I, I guess there's nothing we can ever really do about that, but it is what it is. The original small Kongs, um, those were an ERC 721A project. 721A. I can't believe it's a 721. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I'm, I'm, I'm naive to, to some things in the blockchain. I'm not that naive. Um, no worries. Does um, the small Kongs reborn uh, carry on that feature? And also, could you explain to me what that feature is? Uh, what What is the A add? So... When, when when putting the A a little bit, it's because the the original small con, uh, contract was based off of the Azuki smart contract. Oh, interesting. Okay, and so that was that was developed to optimize gas fees, and that's what really allowed for a lot of people to look at the smart contract and say, "Oh my God, like this is going to be the next big thing," because it took the hype that was a derivative of small. Small brains, because it was right around the time that small brains kind of blew up. But it also took the idea that Azuki created a very gas gas efficient, a very gas efficient smart contract. And it took those two and combined them to a derivative on layer one that was not the same network as small brains, but was also not the same artwork as Azuki. You know what I mean? I, I do. And and so very it was it seemed very, um very well educated. It, it was very intelligently executed, I guess you could say, at the end of the day. And so as far as like why the original project was ERC 721A, I couldn't exactly tell you. Those are the reasons that I've come to kind of self self kind of proclaim because it, 
it, it utilized the Azuki contract. It stated that very clearly on the website. When you look at the smart contract, it states it very clearly in the in the um, in the code. It, it's very blatant, but it looks as though almost the founder kind of when you when you take the time to go through and actually do your own research on the project as you should before you mint a project, it looks almost copy and pasted. It, it, it's kind of like the the founder took azuki's smart contract and like they copied someone else's homework they just kind of changed a few minor things to make it make it seem unique and then posted it and and allowed people to mint off of it so it utilized that that gas efficiency but as far as like the erc 721 that's kind of where it goes we don't really we were never really able to get a response from the founder as a team no matter how much i reached out to him so we were never able to gain access to that smart contract or able to um do anything with the tokens that people had minted. I still hold some in my current wallet um, on layer one. So I, I um, as far as that goes, we don't really plan on taking that anywhere. Um, we're taking what we have with our Genesis and our factions and um, what you guys have possibly seen on our Twitter with the voxel small Kongs um, yep. that we're animating and rigging. That's kind of where we're moving with the project away from anything affiliated with that original layer one. That makes sense. Yeah. And Dion, I'm surprised you, you hadn't heard of the ERC-721A. I thought that was like kind of like a big deal. But then again, maybe Thanks. I'm just... <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I guess maybe it's just because I'm in Azuki that I I kind of... Or I own an Azuki, I should say, that uh, I was very familiar with it. Because I remember that was... When, when they were minting, that was like a really big deal. The fact that they had really optimized the gas contract. Yeah, everyone was the entire Ethereum community was like, oh, my God, there's no way Azuki got that efficient of gas fees with how hyped it was. So got it. So he stole essentially the brand name of small and then also the the hype underpinnings of the Azuki contract. Yep. But because Arbitrum hadn't gained as gained as much hype, Arbitrum was based around freedom and projects. He took the had the project to layer one Ethereum because it was the most direct way for him to profit if he was going to rug the project, which when looking back at it, you know, hindsight 2020. Yeah, yeah. You can 100% see why he did what he did. And he, that's why I say it was very intelligently executed. We've actually found the personal Twitter after my own research. I found the personal Twitter of the original founder who rugged us. Oh, no way. Yeah, 100%. I know exactly what his personal wallet is after he tornadoed all the funds, this, that, and the other. But we're not really willing to publicly expose that sure. because we don't really want to blame him for what he did. You know, at the end of the day, like, yeah, that would be wonderful. But how how much good would it do? You know, you know what I mean? In general, we're, we're successful and we're happy with what we've been able to do. There's no point in us bringing him any more public acknowledgement than he needs yeah no i i totally understand i think that is the right thing to do in the end you know everyone knows he's a bad person you don't need to i guess like publicly shame them right i, I maybe that's the wrong word no it, yeah, that's I, exactly I, the way we look at it yeah it's a good sentiment sure it, it's just um, kind of like the idea of being a bit being the bigger person we're like well you know he yeah. did what he did he's wrong for it we found him but there, there's no, we can't turn them into the cops and they're not going to do it. If we turn them into the cops, they're not going to do anything. So at the end of the day, why give him more acknowledgement? Yeah, that's a good point. Imagine explaining that to a police officer. <laughs> this monkey picture. It, 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. But the community. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were we were talking about this before, the whole idea of being good actors in the space and making sure you understand what you're getting yourself into with minting and, and these different smart contracts. Do you ha- intend to have the uh, factions contracts audited uh, before the mint? Yes. So our Genesis contracts, we actually posted them publicly. Um, the So we posted them on Arbitrum and then we posted the Arbiscan link to the smart contract publicly on our Twitter to the community for, uh, I believe it was 24 hours for Genesis before our actual mint took place. So that anybody who actually understood smart contracts and how to read them was able to self audit them. And that way able to kind of understand like, hey, like maybe I want to share some information of something that I might see being suspicious, like by no means were we trying to hide it and cause for people that were FOMOing in to the project possibly to mint on a potentially malicious, malicious smart contract. And so that's why we we really did want to make sure that we posted it publicly for our, fa- our Genesis. Um, for our factions, we plan on actually having it audited by a third party, as well as we're going to uh, kind of follow that same principle as the first one, but actually probably make it 48 hours instead of 24 for the uh, public announcement of the smart contract. So people will be able to look at it, which we, we understand um, allows for a sense of those who create bots to be able to kind of look at the smart contract and then code their bots as they need to to manipulate the smart contract but at the end of the day we're really we trust our developers to be able to work around that to minimize the amount of botting on our mints for that and that's going to also be kind of um minimized by the idea of it being a pay to mint for our factions collection so this this one is going to cost some magic or some ethereum so it's going to cost Ethereum mm-hmm. on the Arbitrum blockchain. But at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're taking a portion of the funds from our mint um, and we're investing that directly into magic. And what we're doing is we're going to create a community liquidity pool of magic token. The Zing will be able to then be then be exchanged for. So people will be able to use their Zing to say utilize within game used to receive discounts on merchandise that we're going to be launching or um as far as our lore that we were telling you ex- as far as like explaining the lands of congonia and how factions came to be and how our genesis small kongs are actually the fa- the founding fathers of the factions and how the factions are the armies of of the the founding nations of congonia that's going to be a 12 chapter lore book that's going to be um, written by our actual one of our team members who is a creative writer is in education. So he, he's been kind of working on that. We're, we're allowing for competitions uh, for lore submissions from our community to be taken into consideration and incorporating that into the chap the chapter book. But at the end of the day, we're going to be releasing that book to the community to be able to purchase using Zing token or using regular, you know, currency with discounts via Zing token, um, but that otherwise exchanging that Zing token for magic. Do you have a um, target mint price kind of? Yes. So all Genesis holders will be able to, per Small Kong in their wallet, mint one factions at a whitelist price, which is 0.0275 Ethereum on the Arbitrum blockchain. And then 
the public sale mint price will be 0.055. Not too expensive these days. And that's kind of like as as the market has gone to fluctuate the way it has, we see that at the end of the day, considering the way that we are planning to fund the salaries of the team and furthermore allow for the project to develop, the uh, the money we're requesting very much makes sense for the startup that we're going to be developing. So when I say salaries for the team, the way that we plan to structure the funds from our payment to pay those team members isn't as though you see a lot of general or I guess you could say popular funding methods. So everyone on our team has agreed that when they receive, say, 10 ETH for the work that they've provided on the project, they're taking that 10 Ethereum as a salary bi-weekly for the next year's time that we're going to be putting into a vault, a vault that's transferred from Ethereum over to an, um, a stable coin and then paying our team bi-weekly based off of that value in USD, whatever Ethereum is at that time. So if they're taking 10 Ethereum, say it's 2000 or $1,000 at the time of our mint, they'll take $10,000 uh, over the next year every, every other week that will promise the community that they will continue to work on developing the project rather than running away with those funds. If they decide to leave the team early because they don't see it, say, being beneficial to them anymore, they're no longer inspired by the work, they're then forfeiting the remainder of their Ethereum to the community and then walking away from the team. So they're not able to take the remainder of their 10 ETH and say, I'm out of here six months into it. They're saying, I'm only taking five of my ETH. I'm okay giving five ETH back because I'm only staying here for half of that first year's time that I promised to the community to develop this project. Kind of like a vesting schedule. Exactly. Cool. Love it. I, I, I think you have a very well thought out plan there. Speed, which Dion, you want to take this next one? Yeah. So what's, uh, what's in your roadmap? Can you give us a brief um, explanation or, or rundown of, of what you have in store for the future? Yeah, so, um, of course, our near future, we have our factions collection coming out. We kind of originally wanted to take inspiration from the Avatar, the last airbender for that. And that's why we created four factions. Originally, it was going to be the Earth right. faction, the air faction, the water faction, the fire, uh, fire faction. Um, and then we realized that that was kind of probably a little too cliche. Um, and that kind of limited us to our future uh, attrib like inclusions into that that lore story. And so um, just a little bit, I guess, uh, of some information that we haven't quite publicly shared to people. The reason that we've chosen the four factions we did, we're actually choosing rare stones. So we have Ruby, we have um, Opal, we have Sapphire and we have um, Emerald currently. And so the reason we chose rare stones is because we can current we can later add in future factions that will be other rare stones and allow for us to utilize those colors to distinguish those factions away from each other. Um, it's kind of like fur colors, you know what I mean? That will allow for the community to then choose factions within our community to kind of to to utilize in a sense. And that will allow us to kind of further tell the story as far as. That goes, uh, our factions are going to be utilized in a game. So our gamification, what we're currently going to be looking at is something a little in the sense of like a tower defense game that will be able to be utilized in play to earn. Uh, almost if you've ever played Balloons Tower Defense on Miniclip. Or... I love that game. Yes. I love that game. So... <laughs> 
So we're going to be doing that with our factions and small Kongs and trying to uh, develop that and make that kind of a play to earn thing that the community and holders will be able to utilize to earn Zing token, which will then be exchanged for magic token. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. And so we're we're looking to, so that's kind of, uh, in a sense, our roadmap, the funds that we're bringing from our factions mint, we're using to finalize the, I guess you could say AAA game developers. They, we've kind of brought in and kind of pitched the concept of the game that we want to bring as a team. Um, Cause I've worked in Epic uh, game in, games engine a little bit myself, but not, or unreal, I guess you could say a little bit, but not enough to really develop the game we're looking for. So what we're going to be doing is as a team, we've kind of been developing what we can as far as models, this, that, and the other to then bring to this AAA uh, team and then using those funds to pay that team to finalize the game and then using our Web3 developer to then incorporate the pay to earn on Arbitrum into that game that's going to be AAA developed, utilizing our Small Kongs Factions collection. And so that's kind of going to be where our funds are going in a sense to, to just be completely transparent and allowing us to completely capitalize on that sense of the gamification and the reason why Arbitrum is the perfect layer two uh, solution for gamification, you know, but (laughs) we have a little bit of a sneak peek as far as like our, our factions collection or not our factions, our voxel collection goes that um, first and primary when our factions collection mints out, we're going to be purchasing an NFT world and developing the NFT worlds and allowing for our voxels to be imported into NFT worlds to be utilized as well as sandbox. They are actually created within the sandbox engine that allow or the voxel engine that imports directly into sandbox. So when we do release them, holders will be able to have full access to the OBJ file, the the vox file and everything else of the sort including the fbx for all animations this that and the other um and rigging to be able to just import them into the game and play using whether it be in our nft worlds or in the general sandbox metaverse you know what i mean yeah it's pretty cool yeah that's incredibly cool so we we take a lot of inspiration from cyber kongs at the end of the day what they did with their voxel models we kind of were like hey like if we're already a derivative and we're already a DRUG project, let's just let's let's take the successes that other projects have had and start to learn from those and create those to be our own, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really great way to to build something that people want, right? Like you already kind of have a, a general blueprint. You can write great artists steal. You you can steal from the projects that are successful and you can make it your own. Exactly. So that's kind of just where we're at. If you uh, if you want to move on to your next question, I'm sorry for moving on with a tangent on that as far as the roadmap goes, but that's no, no. kind of like gamification. We also we have some music that's been posted on Spotify with official artists um, that we have our own Spotify for. We plan on launching to our Genesis holders that will be able to be purchased with Zing token actual physical vinyl records that we'll be doing our own artwork on the vinyl records for that will also have our uh, our own published music on that we completely do in our in-house with our own team our own artist um our own sound producing it's kind of it's honestly kind of one of those cool things that as far as our multi multimedia branding goes that we're trying to uh create awesome 
That's you know, really cool. I, yeah. I think I think you have a very kind of diverse roadmap. It sounds very interesting. And I I really like kind of your whole approach, not just to the small Kongs reborn, but to how you interact with uh, the blockchain and Web3 in general. And, you know, this has been a wonderful conversation. And, you know, I think for my last question, I think this this is kind of an appropriate question for what we've been discussing this entire time. But um, since you're like a self-proclaimed white hat, so to speak, do you have any other plans to do more good for the blockchain beyond Small Kongs Reborn or in association with Small Kongs Reborn? Yeah. So as far as the white hat hacking goes, um, I personally have been trying to kind of see um, and I, I guess you could say like white hat hacking is very like a loose term for those that don't fully understand it. But I have been trying to find out how I can incorporate those benefits to our holders further than just my general counseling, because at the end of the day, anybody in our discord, I always tell it and I'm very public about it. They can always DM me. You guys can. My At the end of the day, I trust in my ability to not click on malicious, say links, this, that or the other. I have my all my all my securities put up to where if somebody reaches out to me in general chat and they say hey look i really need some kind of like private counseling can you go ahead and dm me i will not dm you first you can go ahead and reach reach out to me and i'd be happy to interact in a conversation um but as far as further incorporating to our holders we're trying to find a way to more educate directly our holders so what we're going to be planning on doing is um hosting kind of in a sense a little bit of a podcast the, uh, we plan on actually uh, calling our Small Kongs cast to our community on a biweekly basis to where we kind of allow for people to come in and ask questions or allow the community over those two weeks to ask questions of some things that they might have as far as security goes or bridging over red flags to look for as far as like minting projects and how to best uh, keep their wallet secure and their funds secure when they're going through this investment adventure that Web3 is. And, and, and allowing for that education to happen. Uh, I also am very good friends with somebody who or the person who's one of the founders of board security or boring security. I don't know if you guys know who that is boring security. He's a board ape founder or a board ape holder. Sorry, um, but he is very big on security. So what he has done is he's created an actual NFT collection based around a class that he's created. So he's creating like he has like a 100 class. He's doing a 200 class that comes out in August, actually. And then in December, he's coming out with a 300 class in each class. So you have to attend the 100 class and then you receive a free NFT that shows that you attended the class, which teaches 100 percent basic security as far as wallets and smart contracts go. Um, it's about an hour and a half class. You have to attend and pass the test at the end of the class to receive the NFT for free. Um, you cannot purchase them off secondary. They're soul bound essentially is kind of being a world of, War, world of Warcraft and MMO player the way that I look at them, yeah. but they're non-transferable NFTs. So when you receive them for passing the class, then you it, it's essentially a key to enter the 200 class, which is a further dive into security um, on Web3, which will then allow you to jump into the 300 class. And he's just going to completely um, essentially develop this full range of courses in uh, school based off of web three security. And it's a web, it's a, it's a layer one project that he's creating, but he he's agreed to allow us to allow our holders direct access to that first class for free 
to allow them to then kind of further um, invest their time to allow for that ex- education to expand in a sense, if that makes sense. So it does. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm definitely going to look into this. I think that that's really cool that, that this gentleman or lady, I guess I shouldn't assume anything, <laughs> is doing that. And uh, I mean, that sounds pretty awesome. And, and what you're doing with this kind of Q&A weekly podcast, uh, or excuse me, Small Kong's cast, uh, I think <laughs> is really awesome too, because you know, I, I find that people do need that type of information uh, or or might be too afraid to ask about it. 100%. And, but it's also, it's hard for, without being extremely redundant, it's difficult to provide that information to people. That's why we plan on having that kind of bi-weekly um, small Kongs cast or the Kongs cast, I guess you could say, uh, to kind of allow people to ask questions. But um, more than that, kind of allowing for people, and this isn't for holders uh, specifically, but just allowing those who come into the community to have access to, I guess you could say, the tutorials that we'll be creating. So we have a couple of YouTube tutorials that we're finalizing the editing on um, as far as bridging over securely to Arbitrum specifically, purchasing magics um, securely specifically. Uh, it kind of, we have one more tutorial that we have that we're gonna be releasing that's specifically on what to look for as far as red flags go in smart contracts because when you look on YouTube, it's hard to find a very clear, outlined, straightforward video on red flags to look for in smart contracts specifically. That's kind of like a bullet point checklist that you can kind of refer to. So that's kind of something that we're planning to provide. But that's not something that we're gating towards our holders. Um, we're going to provide that to the, the overall community because that's something that we feel that shouldn't be kept to those that are willing to the, say financially compensate us we we really just want that to be kind of general information totally and, and that's what it should be for sure i think that that would help out a lot of people 100%. well venos this uh excuse me venos this was a wonderful time speaking with you uh you know and in, in keeping with uh our moniker name of our podcast you know we try to keep it to around an hour so we appreciate you coming on the pod and, and telling us all about not just small cogs reborn, but your experience and, and how you've approached the blockchain. It's, it's very refreshing. I have to say, not that others are like you, but you definitely have a good head on your shoulders. I, I appreciate that. I'm sure. Dionysus and I don't want to speak for you, Dionysus, but I'm sure you appreciate that as well. But again, thanks for joining us. No, it was great to have you on. Um, did before I guess before you get to say thanks, was there anything about the project that we didn't cover or ask you about that you want to end with? So we had no, because we touched on our gamification. We talked, we touched on the voxel models, which we'll be releasing sneak peeks of um, in the coming days. We just kind of want to focus on our factions as factions is going to be coming and voxel will be coming after factions. We touched on the vinyl records. We touched on the lore book. We do plan on having published comic books available amongst our merchandise. So, and it seems like we do have a very diverse uh, roadmap, but at the end of the day, there's with how easy today's technology has made it to be able to create merchandise and make it 
say dropship or print uh print to order so that another company completely handles your ordering and your shipping and your warehousing and all that and you don't really worry about a lot of that um there's no reason to not provide that to those who want it and so we 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 are creating physical merchandise i have a uh, a friend who's actually in 3d printing development that we're going to be printing our voxel models 3d physically to people um, who want to hold a, a an actual voxel small kong on their on their desk say as a paperweight or possibly action figures we plan on having like i said the comic books that we're going to be publishing as well as our 12 chapter lore book and just kind of focusing on utilizing the technology that web3 is brought to us that's kind of about it i i really with that being said i really thank you guys for allowing me to come kind of share the team's vision and my vision for the potential that web3 holds and the absolute like open-mindedness that arbitrum has allowed us to kind of execute this project with because if we were on layer one there's no way that we would be able to execute every single branch of our roadmap in the quality that we're trying to but uh, when we come over to arbitrum it's 100 percent feasible and not only that but we are able to find those community members who are open enough to help us if there is a time that we come to having a question that we're that we need help on you know resolving so thank you guys very much i really appreciate you guys giving me this time i know we took an hour and a half of the time but (laughs) thank you thank you very much it's all good you know if we go over that's okay Ferocious, ay, ay. please do not provoke us, don't provoke us. 
Ghost. Feel like a kid on Discord. Got more tokens than a Chuck E. Cheese. From the jungle, bitch, we been poor. Now we in the billing, flipping NFTs. Steady taking over different platforms. Discord or Twitter, mama, look at these. Trying to catch some commas in my net worth. Whole village said, fuck a gas fee. Talking gas money, but my wallet is packed. This is the life that I live. Had a cope once, now we keeping a stash. Ask even more than legit. Collection packs, finna flip them for racks. Cop my little mama a crib. Fuck a plan B or a Mickey D's. We all gon' make it on my mama. In the lobby, I'm picking them bodies and watches go sweeping. Pick up the broom, we empty the room. We all gonna make it chasing this bag while I up in this flag. Watch how we take it. Blockchain is ours, the cars and many stars. Don't you notice? Baby, please come focus. The jungle here's ferocious. Please do not provoke us, don't provoke us.